I'm sitting here today with Kyle Chanitz, and uh, I'm going to let Kyle take over and, and drive the bus right now. Go ahead, Kyle. So, um, my name's Kyle Chanitz. Um, originally from upstate New York, and uh, I graduated high school back in 05, and um, I joined the Army shortly after. Um, Infantry, 11 Bravo, um, Infantry School for Bang, um, all that good stuff. I was initially going to go to first ID, and then I got lucky, got airborne school, and I was in Infantry School. Ended up in the second of the 508 down in Bragg, Fayetteville, and, um, I spent my six years there from 06 to 2012. Um, I did a couple of combat tours to Afghanistan. Uh, so on my first tour, I was kind of the FNG. So I got sent up north to Camp Span and uh, didn't do crap up there. It was kind of personal security, quote unquote, hit. Personal security detail, kind of bullshit, which sucked. Um, real boring, and, you know, no action. Um, and then, kind of got lucky. Uh, Colonel Daly liked me. Um, so, uh, opportunity came along. Um, a certain sergeant, I won't mention his name, <laughs> refused to uh, return fire and uh, wow. got turret yeah uh, in the lead truck what the f yeah fucking crazy huh and 50 or mark 19 uh, 50 yeah wow. yeah and, it, and that's an ETT team so the you know train team yeah and uh so you're you're you know the truck commander and the team leader is a fucking major so the major is in that truck, and uh, he's he's refusing. This guy's an E five, you know. I, I was an E three, E four, maybe E three, E three. I think it just yeah, E three. We got E four, like you know, maybe six months in, right when I got to that team. So basically, I, I got flown down and took took over for that guy. And uh, I remember the guys on the team, you know. They didn't give two shits about me until um, I was on Firebase Mahalik, which is about an hour away from Kennecar Airfield. And uh, it was built by Osama for Lula, for uh, Omar. Okay. Yeah. So it was like a gift, right? So after the embassy bombings, uh, in Kenya and stuff, uh, Clinton kind of said, you know, if you house, uh, Osama, you know, you're an enemy. So the only place that take him was the, uh, Maloma. So he took him in, built this massive compound, a huge bunker. And, uh, that was our, that was our fire base. And, it, you know, we had a small section on it. Um, there's an ODA team there. So it wasn't really ours, but, uh, we, you know, 
let us on it, which was pretty cool. And, um, it was actually freaking awesome being on it because uh, there were so many Afghan employees. They made us wear normal clothes, mm-hmm. you know, when we were on missions. Uh, so uh, we were swimming pool. Um, but anyways, yeah, so when they picked me up, it was at nighttime. And, uh, shit, we got pop shots fucking middle of the night. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, Sounds like uh, what I get myself in popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> so that was like, you know, obviously that was the first time coming from, you know, up north, Mazar uh, Sharif, where you could pretty much walk down the street fucking naked holding an American flag. And uh, back then, you know, hey, you know, it was pretty peaceful up there. But uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember just like that. First firefight we got into was a night as well. Oh, uh, yeah. And, um, and, you know, we got back to the fire basement hawk pretty fast. And, uh, you know, I remember the guys didn't think much of me. And then I remember, you know, they were showing me around. We had four, for, you know, the first few months we had four wheelers and they got taken away. <laughs> but, uh, there's trails. So we'd go out and, uh, go check out the bunker. And I pictures me holding up a huge piece of shrapnel where we bombed that shit out of the bunker, out of that bunker. Um, it's pretty cool. But this bunker had running water, toilets. Uh, it was insane. Well, they were meant to stay there for a while. Oh yeah, and and I mean it was pretty, it was pretty good looking, you know, for for Haji work. And uh, but um, yeah, I remember. So there's wild dogs in the base. We would take them out, and uh, I remember everybody missed it. And then I took it down on a dead run. And everybody was like, "Who the fuck shot that?" And they looked at me, and that's kind of gained some confidence in me. Kind of trusted me after that. So uh, I got to be. A, then I finally got to get in the gun, and. Uh, the other dude finally got to go back to driving. I didn't know how to drive. I hated driving. I never was a driver, you know. Um, so I was happy to not be behind the fucking wheel. Uh, again, it was my kind of thing. Um, yeah, training the Afghans. It was cool. I mean, it, it took us all over the freaking place, you know. We didn't just stay there. Uh, so it's kind of cool. So we were allotted a certain amount of money each month to uh, put into the locals. So we hired to build stuff for us, stuff like that. Um, you know, go to class, you know, go to our precincts. So at that time, we were training police. Um, and then uh, later on, we switched over to training commandos. Uh, training commandos is definitely a lot better. Um, so when we first trained the police, we had, um, <laughs> we were going to kick anybody out for the drug test, and it was like 90-something percent that failed. <laughs> so we're like, okay. Uh, 
that fails for opiates will drop. And that was like 70 some percent. And then it came down to like, okay, anybody that's detoxing too hard or is in withdrawals too hard has got to go, basically. That's <laughs> all they had was opiates, huh? Yeah. 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 Opiates and keef. Yeah. Um, so they just put like pure opium in tea. Wow. It's just kind of tradition, you know. Um, the women do it more than men. Believe it or not, so women are the ones that really work and run the house and shit. You know, they do all the damn work. It's crazy. Uh, well, I mean, you know, in our case, when we were in Iraq, um, you would see the women just getting beat, even if they looked in our direction. So I could completely, you know, yeah. understand. Um, and you're right; they were doing a lot of the work too, man. I yeah. mean. It, and you got you got to think there was an occupation going on in both both places, Afghan oh, yeah. and Iraq. So oh, yeah. the guys are all gone, right? And the women are just left at the house. Yep. So yeah, make, it makes yeah. sense. Do something to deal with the nerves, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And then half of them are being threatened with their life anyway, right? Day to day basis, you know, their families kidnapped, beaten. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, towards the end, uh, John. Um, which is what he went by. Uh-huh. Um, his father was actually, they were, his father's exiled for a while um, and then brought back once we took over the country, right? So his father was part of the government. Oh, okay. Right? Um, awesome interpreter. I mean, super smart, right? I mean, um, some interpreters are just kind of terrible. And uh, this one you can trust. Uh, he didn't bullshit. You know, he didn't lie. He, he interpreted correctly. He didn't say shit to get us out of a firefight, you know, which is the main problem with the other interpreters. Um, but uh, towards the end, yeah. So it, basically, they kidnapped his brother and uh wanted him to go to Kabul and, and basically turn himself in to release his brother. And you know, what what were we gonna do? Um you know, so uh I don't know. I don't really we didn't I don't know too much about it. It's kind of above my pay grade, but uh I you know, I do know that our major, you know, we took to the airport from a fucking plane. That's the last time I ever, I ever saw him. So, that's uh, crazy, you know. Now, maybe he's still out there doing just fine. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. But, uh, I, would, I would hope so. I mean, the uh, interpreters we had weren't the greatest. Yeah. You know, they were just some, some of the, you know, local guys and yeah. stuff. And Can you trust them? Then, after what happened to us, no. Yeah. That was the last time I saw that group of interpreters. Yeah. After we got ambushed, that was the last time, you know, seeing them around. But yeah. I mean, you know, for the most part, one, they're doing it for the money. Right. And two, maybe they're feeding intel into, you know, the the local sheiks and whoever else. Right. To the local militia. So there's only so much that you can really trust them with. Yeah. So, like, in, in southern Afghanistan, um, 
lot of our interpreters were pulled from the north. So they were different. Not only a different tribe, they were a completely different ethnic group. And they were usually um, uh, Hizara ethnic group, uh, which is looked down upon. They're kind of uh, Mongolian descent. Uh, and uh, they're considered kind of a lower class, uh, you know, according to the Pashians and stuff, kind of like down on. So those are the guys that we, we kind of like, uh, especially in the South. But, uh, I know they had tried, uh, like where we were at in the Sunni Triangle, you know, they had Sunni and Shiite. Oh, uh, yeah. And they tried to reverse it. To hit, and that didn't work out too well. Yeah, no. And then, you know, you get another set of uh, interpreters mm. in there. Because when it was like Sunni and Sunni or Shiite and Shiite, they would just go the fuck off on each other. Mm. Like, we're asking, you know, hey, you know, there's IEDs up here. Mm. Can you find out if there's more? Well, if they were the opposite, you wouldn't get anything out of them except for them just in a fist fight. Yeah. And if it That's was great. the same, they were still getting a fist fight, well, but, but at least, you know, they were of, of the same, you know, tribe and stuff and, and they would just let it go and they'd come back and they're like, oh, you know, never mind, we can leave. There's nothing here. That's true. Yeah. You know, we only dealt with that a handful of times, but, um, yeah, we definitely saw it. So we ran some pretty cool missions, so, um, the one Operation Perez was probably the coolest mission we were a part of. Um, it was the first all-Afghan air assault mission. Uh, so we went in on MI-16 choppers uh, that were actually welded the doors off the back because they opened so slowly. Um, <laughs> the door gunner has sandals on. <laughs> you know? And then... Uh, you're escorted by hindies, which is badass, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it was four, four different chalk runs, and we we're on the first one. And there's only two Americans per chalker, and then the rest are Afghans. So yeah, my ass was puckered, man. So did, did first, that turn into a shit show? Yeah, no, no, not too bad. It actually, I mean, this was a huge operation. Um, I think the Germans spent like five million building a uh, a medical clinic up there for this operation. It was huge. Um, and the part we were on with this Afghan, with this aerosol part was hammer and sickle. So basically, the Norwegians in the another Afghan commander unit pushed everything towards us, and we were we got dropped in right below the mountain pass and took over a couple houses and uh, just basically stopped every you know anybody that was leaving. They were all men, you know, camels, yeah. back, full yeah. shit. Yeah, so uh, they went pretty smooth actually. Um, to the ride home um, on the back of a Ford Ranger sitting on top of uh, fucking mortar boxes. Yeah, that was yeah, sketchy. Yeah. At, least, at least we, you know, at least we wouldn't have felt it, you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> would have went quick. But, uh, but yeah, that was probably the coolest, coolest thing I was a part of. Um, being at Fish Life First, uh, it was pretty neat. Uh, it went smooth. That was actually their field training exercise. Can you, can you imagine? You know? No. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine that? Wow. That's wild, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, what was their FTX? So, um, some in some parts of this, uh, when we were in the town, we actually had to put fucking, I uh, shit you not, orange. So, that, like the orange tape we used to, uh, engineering tape mm-hmm. to make a house in the ground. Yeah. Practice mouth. Yep. I like, put that shit on some of their fucking helmets so we wouldn't get fucking shot. Orange. Wow. Yeah. Meanwhile, everybody else is running around <laughs> with that fucking IR shit on their helmet. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. During the day, yeah. Jesus. They were all fucking nervous as shit, you know. And we were like, dude, relax. Every house is not going to fucking attack us. <laughs> you know, yeah. relax. We, uh, we, we had a, a, a fob forward operation base um, outside of Al-Assad and they used to train some of the, uh, the police and yeah. some of the uh, whatever ICDC the Iraqi Civil Defense Corps at the time Okay. and some of the guys from Echo, to, uh, Echo Company used to say that quite a bit you know whether they were training the police or, or the ICDC <laughs> that they were just so fucking nervous you yeah. know, this, you know <laughs> you're trying to do, <laughs> You know, and they show up, you know, first off, they're kind of being forced into it, right? Yeah. yeah. But then when they show up, dude's got no shoes, no nothing, <laughs> trying to wear boots, you know, just like Gomer piling it, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, just complete. It's like chaos. And then, you know, some of the people, again, like I touched on before, you know, are just uh, in there for, for the intelligence part of it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, from what I can tell now, I think the country's doing a hell of a lot better than they were, you know, hell, even 20, 10 years ago, 12 years yeah. ago, which is a good thing. But I don't, I don't know if you ever noticed that, um, you know, they would snitch on each other, but only if one pissed the other one off. Oh, yeah. Like, they were very quick. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know he lended his next door neighbor a shovel and he never brought it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't <laughs> say what he was doing until he didn't bring back that fucking shovel. Next thing you know, you're on the side of the road dealing with this guy. And he's like, Hey, look, this son of a bitch is out here, you know, digging IEDs. And he's got my shovel. I want my fucking shovel back. Like, <laughs> it's just, it was just wild how they, they operated over there. It's totally, completely different. So, um, me and you also have something, which I thought was pretty fucking cool when I found out, um, you were actually stationed with the same group of Marines. I was oh, yeah. Yeah. At 2-7. Over in Afghanistan. Yeah. So, uh, we worked with 2-7 for a couple months in, uh, Fair Province, uh, just next to Helmand, um, so west of Kandahar. Um, you're out in the middle of nowhere out there, so uh, 
And uh, that was probably the, the, the one of the shittiest fucking days um, we ever had. Um, so we're, we're gonna pick up a bomb maker. Um, and uh, so they, as we went in, you know, we paid this guy to basically watch a culverts for us and um, keep him, you know, tell us. We just wanted them to nod at us if uh, they were had something in them, you know, mm-hmm. make eye contact, whatever, look up, you know, and uh, so they, you know, we got, we got the fucking guy um, with pretty fucking minimal. I mean, it was not that, it was a pretty simple mission. And, uh, and there was a lot of us, you know, it was still fucking two seven, and then it was our team, um, plus our, our, so we had a small group of, uh, commanders that always rolled with us wherever we went, because we could trust these guys. And, um, they let our MRAPs pass, and then they waited for two seven, because they had uh, the 1114 MRAPs, which were um, the seconds of it. They weren't even the newest ones. They weren't even the 1151, so they didn't have the B-hole. If they did have the B-hole, it was the welded B-hole, huh. not the uh, rolled. So it'll split right open regardless. But, uh, yeah, so Taylor, one of our guys, uh, my spotter, uh, Sergeant Taylor, uh, you know, one of the guys that really, uh, helped shape my career. And, uh, yeah, as soon as they went over, fucking dude didn't even flinch. That fucking bomb went off. And, uh, all four Marines and uh, Taylor died. So, so I got four guys from two seven and uh, one one guy from eighty second all at once. Man, fucking crazy. Uh, oh shit. So is that why you wear the bracelet? Oh, uh, yeah. Man, I was just pissed, you know. There was just, there was no, nothing around, you know. There really, there was no houses. Um, just fucking farmland. There was really nothing out there. Um, just a fun pressure plate. Uh, ID, um, you know, there was fucking livestock, and uh, there was no more livestock after, you know, so, yeah, dude didn't even, I mean, he didn't even flinch, which I don't know how he did not flinch in that, but yeah. Absolutely crazy. Oh, shitty. Uh-huh. Were, you know, I don't know. 
don't know what happened. We might have spent too much time in town. Somebody took it, you know, somebody else in the town could have taken a bottle and another mid ran up there. Who else? Um, could have already been there. They hit it. Don't know. Um, I don't know. You know, if it was pressure plate, the fucking. The uh, MRAP should have set it off, not the fucking Humvees, you know. So, um, I don't know. Because there's just nothing around, you know. So, what do you do? You know, there's no one you can get. You know? Right. You want to be pissed off, but you can't be pissed off to anybody. You can't take it out on anybody because nobody's around. You kill a farmer, you know, then you go to Leavenworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we were, we were at 27 for like. Couple months with guys on and off. So, what did you think about being a, being around Marines coming from the Army? Shit, man. It was pretty good. Uh, they were cool. Um, the first sergeant was a douchebag. Um, <laughs> Remember his name? I do not know, but he was a fuck. I just, I couldn't believe how straight he was. <laughs> So like, um, you know, we had mass sergeants and stuff around us, but, uh, this first one making the students fill sandbags and shit, uh, for like punishment. Yeah, orders. I don't know, but I don't know. They might do that on bigger bases, but like, I don't where we were at, no, no, you know, we we never really got in trouble. Did our own thing. Sounds like to me, he was just wound up a little too tight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, before he got killed. Um, with uh, Sergeant Taylor, I mean, what else did he help you with? Like, how did he help shape you? Oh, man, just got me squared away, you know, taught me about shit before and it didn't know it. Um, shooting the schools. Um, so we got, I don't know what it means, but we, we, we got a lot specialty schools that come up, you know, like these little two-week jumbo mountain warfare winter, mountain warfare, summer phase, shit like that. Um, yeah, there, there's stuff like that, but it's yeah. not um, um, all the time, at least, you know, that I remember, and yeah. I could be completely wrong at, you know, like Camp Lejeune or you know, some other bigger bases. Yeah. It'd be completely different. So he just uh, 
kind of talked me into going to the Islamic Spirit. So when I first got in, so I just did it. And, uh, you know, I was still stupid and young and going home. So, so just kind of did it. And, uh, just kind of shut up and did what I was told. And kind of, uh, just kind of stayed out of trouble. Did my shit, you know. Um, so what school did you go through? Uh, the first school I went through was Mount Warfare. That was offered like right when I got to my unit. Nobody wanted it. And a bunch of people had been. And the rest of you guys were like held up. Um, and we had one slot. And, uh, so I took it. So they send you out to uh California for that? Oh, that's okay. Oh, uh, yeah, it's actually taught by National Guardian. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, Army's doing it. So we get all these fucking pins, you know, that we're, every school you go to. Uh, Mountain Warfare is a two part school. So um, I went to winter and, uh, and then I went to summer phase like two years later. Get your brand set, but then you're not allowed to wear. But uh, it's like the only one the the National Guard wears it. That unit, um, it's where uh, there's Marines there. So uh, yeah, it's a joint school. It's like a gentleman's course. You don't really get yelled at. You got like seventeen hour days. Yeah, it's freaking cold. Um, <laughs> Winter face sucks. Uh, sort of tenth mile division goes to train. Okay. Um, the National Guardian actually wears a mountain tab. Mountain tab. Uh, the only other unit other than tenth mile that wears that tab, mountain tab. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty cool. Right fun on that. So after that, it was kind of any school I could get. Take it. Um, um, what else? Uh, squad doesn't in marksman school. Took that. Uh, ultimately, that led me to uh, Benning Sniper course. Um, which I definitely took that. Um, and that was offered to like. And like two people in per platoon, um, before almost before each deployment, and um, the failure rate is pretty high for that. So you're like, uh, yeah, it's like a couple hundred a year. Um, but uh, it's a good school. Uh, miss that. Mahalik, we had a firing range, uh, so you go shoot all day. Um, miss that. Uh, then when I go backpacking on the AT, you know, for two days, three days, and then I come home. I'm like, yeah. 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 So, uh, the, the Marine Corps offers different schools like that as well. Um, they they do like a cold weather as well. That's yeah. in Northern California. Okay. Um, cool. My unit is 
was a desert unit, um, still is. Um, I think not even maybe my seniors went or maybe, you know, the guys before them may have went. Okay. I know it had been a long time since they had been to any, any kind of course. What know? is it, a cold weather? Yeah, it's a cold weather training unit. They go up to, I think it's like two, three weeks long. That's that's all they do. It's okay. Northern California, you know, in the, in the snow yeah. in the winter. Yeah. yeah. Um, we used to have one in Alaska, but I think they closed that down. Okay. Then yeah. um, we we did do one as a unit in um, Okinawa. We did jungle warfare. Oh, training. nice. Okay. Yeah. And um, uh, that that was a lot of fun. I mean, yeah. it's it's hot as fuck. They just put you up in you know like teams of, like four or six, and they just kind of let you go they give you boundaries you know it's like you got to stay within you know xyz and and you know you basically got to eat whatever you can find whether it's chicken or fish or snakes turtles whatever they just let you go um a bunch of friends of mine get in trouble for uh there there was navy uh cbs that were um uh building a road or building something Uh, not too far away some MRE. No, even better. They went out and found a whole thing of uh, Gatorade. <laughs> they they busted open a Connex box and they like you know Gunny went off on them. Oh just, yeah. Okay. You know, but the guys told us you know whatever you guys can find you can use. Right. You know, I mean, they that's being resourceful. <laughs> you know, they all caught a bunch of shit. Nobody really got in trouble, but they just yeah yeah. Everybody was kind of pissed off at them because they took you know like six <laughs> cases of Gatorade. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah, see, um, I remember, yeah, we learned some stuff, uh, you know, how to skin a rabbit, how to get a turtle, yeah, uh, right. you know, chicken, how to block a chicken, yeah, all that good stuff. Find mushrooms, you know, if there's holes in it, bug holes, bugs can eat it, you know, you can eat it pretty much, just a you know, rule of thumb there. Should have learned stuff like that. Um, Learn how to sew a little bit. Um, and then uh, the snake run. After you've done tying you, you gill it together, piecing it together, uh, which is basically just taking a bunch of different uniforms, maybe like three or four different patterns, and cutting them up and re sewing them together, right? Um, and then you, yeah. Go through the snake run, which is filled. So on bedding, there's a ice factory because we have fitchery school. So the, the ice sheets, I don't know if you remember them. They're like giant coolers you take everywhere to training ranges because bedding's so hot. And it's just a freaking giant chest full of freaking ice and white sheets. And if you freaking overheat, they get you naked right there and wrap your ass up, man. No, so drink uh, water. We never had anything like that. Yeah. We we didn't even have ice <laughs> in in Iraq until like month fucking seven or eight. Oh yeah. They they had there was a giant swimming pool, <laughs> and they had taken that swimming pool and you know chemicals filled to clean it all. We know where the fuck they do. Yeah. And we were finally able to get ice, but we were only allowed you know X amount. Yeah. Because you had you know supplying the whole base with everything. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I don't even know if we had ice. Yeah, even in, even in two nine, you know, twenty nine, yeah. yeah, there was nothing like that, and it would reach, you know, you're talking um, 
110, 115 temperature out there in Death Valley. Wow. And I did all my infantry training on the East Coast down in Jacksonville. Oh, it's, you know, yeah. I did uh, uh, boot camp out of Paris Island, and yeah. that's a fucking swamp. It's a little yeah. swamp. Yeah. And you have bugs, you know, it's just hot as shit. I mean, hell, dude, we're in Virginia, and it's pretty nasty. Yeah. You know, and it's... Benning's not too far away. Or, what, what is it? Uh, not Benning, but uh, Fort Stewart. Yeah. Pretty close to it. I did yeah. some training in Stewart. Um, so after I got injured, I, I was uh, uh, ward every time. So I was a mountain instructor. I think we had that in common too. Yeah. Yeah. So I did some of that in, uh, in, in Stewart for, um, but I was training South Carolina National Guard. Um, it was just as yeah. uh, South don't fuck around with the heat, man. No, they got a lot of lot of fire ants down there. Bedding, bedding, several fire ants. Uh, we were doing, um, you know, we were doing MMA. Uh, I don't know what you guys do for hand to hand combat, yeah. but we do like you know Muay Thai, MMA stuff, yeah. grappling kind of stuff, and. Uh, you're insane, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, fun as hell. Oh, yeah, it's a blast. Except for the fucking fighting. That's, yeah. that's how boot camp was, man. Whatever. Yeah. 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 Sand fleas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I did some growing up, um, you know, earlier in my life in, in uh, Sanford, North Carolina, okay. which is, you know, not too far from Fayetteville. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so as a kid, yeah, dude, I remember that the fire ants and shit, they yeah. were no joke. Oh, yeah. I used Come in the house and get my ass beat for, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get tore up my hands. Yeah. Right, it was interesting. Fayetteville was an interesting place. It is, because I, I, I mean, like I said, I've been through there quite a bit. We, my, my dad used to take us out to the uh, movie theater out there. Yeah. And just the fact that that base is on like a main strip of the fucking town. It's wild. And it's just wide open. <laughs> just, just right there. It's wild. Like, I don't know if it's changed. But. Class six is outside of the gate. So like, you know, it's outside of the main gate. Yeah. <laughs> so it's fun. You know? And we had, uh, we used to take shortcuts through there. And if you don't, um, Pay attention to the road you're on. You end up on a lot of fire training range for, for uh, Abrams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Had that happen once. <laughs> Driving down the road, fucking Abrams just pops out of the weeds. It's, what are you doing? <laughs> big, big base. Yeah. A lot of range. Just surprised it was uh, wide open. Now, that's probably, I'm assuming, especially after 9 11, I'm sure it got yeah, locked down. Yeah, dude, like it's, crazy. All, it's all closed now. Yeah, so even um, trying to get from inside the inside the, if you're inside Bragg, in the normal area, like you can't get to a range. Typically, mm-hmm. the range or gate is or must be locked or whatever you, you know. So. <clears throat> They're shut down, and then um, where all the uh, selection, green bridge stuff, that stuff's all really, that's really locked down. That's all 
can't even see it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I got there, you know, obviously at, way after 9 11. But uh, yeah, you know, the older guys that had been there, every 9 11 changed everything. They did. Yeah, it changed everything. Not just the military, but it changed, you know, everything in our day to day lives. You know, yeah, you know, even fly rods, you know, what I do now for a living. Uh, you know, fly rods are four pieces now. Uh, because a two-piece rod was too big to take on an airplane after 9-11, so they broke it down to four. Wow. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't even have thought of that. <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy, you know. It's just... Even, it's, you it's know, I'm one point. of those older guys that was there before and after. Right. So before, you know, the bases were pretty open. Right. Like you, you had the guys at the front gate who was literally out there playing fucking Frogger. Yeah, no, no. You know, just doing this shit, making sure it's people coming in. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. if he saw, you know, a lieutenant, you know, he's standing out there saluting. Yeah. People were just fucking, you know, oh, yeah, coming no, and going. No. And then as soon as 9 11 happened, dude, everything was locked down. <laughs> yeah. It was sandbags, Mark 19, 50 <laughs> cows. Yeah. You know, anybody that they thought was suspect got sent over to the dark shack. Like, um, they did not fuck around. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I say kind of, you know, laughing a little bit, but it's just crazy that it, it came to that extent. Even even in the barracks, man, um, we had just wide open uh, parking lots. Everybody had their bikes and cars and trucks. Yeah. Dude, they pushed all that shit out and they had jersey barriers to where you couldn't even, oh, wow. you couldn't drive into any of that shit anymore. Chow Hall is the same way. Like, it was just empty lots everywhere. Really? Yeah. No sure. They were making people park, you know, down the road or, you know, across the way. That's wild. Yeah. So I guess let's, let's get into that, man. So what do you do now? What what, uh, what kind of work do you into now? Oh, man. Uh, fly fishing guide and fly tying. Um, so I'm really into fly tying, which is what I actually started out doing. First, um, uh, I started that through an organization, nonprofit called Project Healing Wars, um, February of 2015. Um, I tied my first fly, and that was actually the first fly I've ever seen. I don't, I didn't even Google what fly looked like, um, but I don't, you know, I just went to a meeting. I didn't know what they did at the meetings or anything. But it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. Just get into it. And, uh, man, I ordered a kit that, that night. And, uh, I blew through the whole kit's material, I think, in a week and a half. So, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, um, I mean, I know everybody else can't see it, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, they hooked me up with a bunch of uh, material and then um, a couple of Vietnam bits that just couldn't tie anymore because their hands donated me all their materials um, and I'm still tying with it. That's how much stuff they donated wow. me. Yeah. I mean, I have these are like my main hooks, but I have uh, that whole drawer is full of hooks and then I have hooks in there and then I have that whole box is full of hooks right there and I have this whole thing full of hooks up here and I got more 
That's just, that's crazy. Um, so, um, about two years ago, uh, I started really getting into fly tying, or I started learning the techniques and learning how to actually design my own flies. Uh, I could actually catch fish, um, uh, which, um, you know, you try to do at first and then, you know, you look back at it and you're just like, oh my God, it's hideous. And, uh, it took me, you know, good two and a half years to really get the techniques down. Um, and then started selling trout flies to locals, trout and bass, small ones. And then, uh, I started musky fishing and tying down musky flies. And, uh, then people started buying musky flies off me. And then, um, Game Changers, which is my favorite, favorite streamer ever. Um, it's basically, uh, an articulated streamer that is got a bunch of metal shanks on it. And, um, each shank moves individually. Um, and you basically build it from the tail, starting at the tail, and you build it all the way up to the head. And you could, you know, you could put the hook in the back, hook in the front, you could put two hooks on it. Um, depends how big it, you know, the one I'm holding is like three and a half inches. I have ones that are, I built for sharks. Um, I'm like six, uh, saltwater hooks, um, just massive ones, uh, that one up there, it's like, what, 14 inches, uh, that's kind of a joke, you know, hmm. but that's like the fly tying contest I did. So, speaking of saltwater, you, uh, you got a pretty badass opportunity earlier this year, huh? Yeah, so, uh. Rob Fordyce, who's like probably one of the number one tarpon fly fishermen. Uh, definitely in our, he's definitely number one in our country and he, he's probably number one, you know, if not in the world. I mean, this guy is, he's a legend, you know. Um, he won the gold cup at age 17 without a guide. And he still holds that record as the youngest to win it with, you know, without a guide. Then he's won all three gold carbon cup tournaments as, as a guide and as a fisherman. And, uh, so he heard about me with healing waters and, uh, my fly tying and, um, you know, I teach fly tying to, uh, Two other veterans. Uh, he, um, I was doing a demo on, on game changers and hybrid game changers, which is actually designed by uh, uh, another local guy. That's actually, you know, he's he's a legend himself. And ironically, they're on the same team, TFO. You know, it's so weird, right? Stack teams, man. Yeah, and um, but anyway, so. 
he surprised me as I was doing a demo at a Healing Waters meeting. Um, came in with a camera guy and uh, shooting a video for a TV show called The Sea Hunter on the Outdoor Channel. And, um, and uh, pretty much flew me down to uh, Miami, picked me up, and uh, we went to the first key, grabbed a boat, and uh, took the boat to uh, Alamorada, and then uh, spent the night, and then the next morning jumped in the boat and went down to Key West. So uh, I basically, I got to see every key on the, both sides. Wow. Um, from a boat on the way there and the way back, uh, I never touched Highway One. It's pretty cool. I think many people can say that. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly, you know. And uh, we're flying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the we're flying, man. That boat was going. Um, yeah, yeah. So when I was on the show, I, I obviously I, I had been tying flies, and I had a bunch of saltwater flies. Um, which I still do. I always have stuff under reserve for myself or back if somebody needs order. Hopefully I have some stuff I can throw in there. That way I don't have to tie everything um, at once. And, uh, so I took every solar fly I had and then I, I probably tied a dozen that night. <laughs> you know, and uh, I caught a grouper on, on one of the flies uh, made out of pike skins, uh, predator fiber, uh, that company called Jerkbait Mania, uh, England, and uh, caught a grouper, which is pretty unheard of on a fly rod, uh, and pulled it in and then cast to the same rod, caught another grouper. Back to back cows, uh, but it's different species. Right. It's crazy, right? It's uh, insane. Yeah. It's, I didn't know it at the time, like how big of a deal it was. Uh, you know, I thought, okay, it was a grouper. It's cool. I thought everybody caught them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, right. but yeah, no. Um, so it was awesome, man. Uh, and then uh, after. After that aired and uh, people got to see that video, uh, I sent the video to the company that I caught the flyer on. And uh, they, you know, a couple of days later, you know, he asked me to join the pro team for fly tying. So I was kind of taken back by it. And then, like, two days later, I was like, really? You know, you, you want me to join the pro team, you know? Only in time for like four years, you know. So, um, it's just awesome. So, and as you could see, like that whole thing's all basically that whole shelf is nothing but stuff from Dark Great Mania. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, my, my business kind of taken off from there. It's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, more orders and more orders and more orders. So. Yeah, you just told me you did a big ass order for some guys in uh, like Christmas Island, Australia. Yeah, Christmas Island for giant trevally fish, uh, massive poppers, all on size six hooks. I and mean, these hooks are meant for like 
tiger fish. I mean, they're just ridiculous. Uh, massive hooks, super strong. That's a small one, but yeah. Um, and, uh, that's probably the most expensive order I've shipped. So, um, just the way you're tying it, you know. The amount of time it takes to tie those compared to a trout fly. Um, and all the, all the coatings you're putting over that head because that thing's got, got some power to it. So, um, so hopefully here I could I get into the saltwater market, which is something I really want to get into. Um, just chucking the money on the side and saving up for a boat. And, uh, I'm looking at a, a towy skiff, uh, which is kind of, you could take the uh, row rack right out of it and it turns it into a flats boat. So that way I can, uh, you know, take time for some salt water as well. So, so I think it's pretty safe to say this, uh, this is what occupies 99% of your time right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's a new club starting, um, 16 acre lake. And I'm actually going out there Tuesday, tomorrow and, um, helping. I'm going to build a fly shop out there. Wow. So, and I'm going to start teaching fly tying out there and doing some classes out there on 16 acre lake. And where's um, that going to be at? That's in Manita, Virginia. Um, the Spring Lake, Spring Lake Road, uh, Virginia. Uh, it's a pretty cool little compound. Um, huge, huge, large mouth. My first cast when I went out there, uh, you just give me a boat and just let me go. On um, my first cast, I, I caught a large mouth. <laughs> and then there's pretty good sized crappy in there too, which I have yet to catch one of those on a fly rod, but uh, I will. I'll get one. But, um, the um, last month I was kind of I was so slammed on orders. I really shouldn't have even have taken that uh, saltwater order, but uh, I really couldn't say no to that one. So, so I was kind of staying up till one a.m. waking up at six. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was it's my favorite day. Oh, man, yeah. It's over now, though, so. So, um, how can people reach out to you and, and get in contact with you? Uh, Instagram is a really good one. Um, at Kyle underscore last name, C-H-A-N-I-T-Z underscore fly underscore tying. So, or Kyle Chan, it's custom flies. Um, so I have two pages that Kyle Chan is custom flies. It's more of a backup page. Um, but from there, you can click on my other page. So, yeah, I just, uh, seen some guys lose some pages and, uh, that's, uh, it's a lot of work right there. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I think the same thing for 
Facebook, Kyle Chanis Gets Who Flies, Kyle Chanis Fly Time, and then um, Dead Drift Outfitters dot com. So. so, my question to you is, why don't we go fishing? Yeah, man. Let's go. Tuesday. It worked Tuesday, but we will definitely schedule some time, whether it's uh, you know later in September or October. But I definitely, I definitely want to go. Yeah. So uh, springtime striper or fall, late fall stripers are gonna start coming up the Roanoke River. Uh, We got a new rod for that, so I'm stoked. New eleven weight, so. And then um, December, you know, when it gets really cold, musky. So I'll figure something out, man. It's gonna be cold, but worth it. Pretty much worth it. All right, um, Tom, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for being here, and um, I'll maybe come back next year and then follow up with you and see what else is going on. Good deal, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Thank you, brother. Yeah, brother.